What's up? What's happening? Oh, not much. Trying to get this thing set up. Are we, we don't have Carl yet? Nope, no Carl. Just the deuces? Yeah. Um, I got a, I got some in there, but I, for life, me, I can't remember how I got them in there. Yeah, let's go think? live. All right. So, yes. all right, I got to continue. Right. You guys are going to record me. Okay. All right. And then, <laughs> yeah. uh, so it's going to be 20 seconds from whatever. We need to make a disclaimer, you know. All right, guys. So, Eric's coming on and he's not going to try to be combative or anything as he's putting on boxing gloves. <laughs> Welcome to Five Guys and the Bible, a weekly podcast where five guys from around the country dig deep into the scriptures and talk about how it relates to life. Thanks for listening and always be blessed. Uh, all right, we are live. Yes, oh, yes, we are. All right, I'm going to give it a couple of seconds. What, uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to open up the prayer and just, just flow with me, guys. That's all I'm going to ask. Just flow with me. All right. Hey, hey Eric, uh, can I just add, make one request? Yeah. Um, the, one of the people that uh, works for me, their daughter right has, has a uh, white lump that they're not sure what it is. Um, so they're bringing her in tomorrow, a two-month-old. So they're bringing mm -hmm. in her in tomorrow. Um, she sent me a message uh, just a little while ago asking if we could keep her up in prayer, and I told her I would bring it to her podcast. Uh, her, her name is Lainey. Her name is Lainey? Yep. Okay. Thank you. All right. Not a problem. All right. Good evening. Welcome back to the next installment of Five Guys in the Bible. Um, you know, we're things are happening, things are rocking, um, things may be crazy, but we're still here. We're going to do the podcast and um, let's open up in prayer tonight. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day that you've given us, the, that you've allowed us to gather together. Uh, where we can speak to the people and speak about you and your goodness and your glory. And Father God, I want to bring a special prayer request to you right now, Father God. Uh, I want to pray for this young child named Lainey, Father God. Lord, you know the situation. You know what's going on, Father. Lord, we just ask that you will reach down and, and repair whatever it is that is wrong, Father God. Um, be with the parents right now, Father God. Um, during this time, it's uh, there's a lot of fear and a lot of uncertainty. But Father God, I just pray that you will bring peace to this family right now, Father God. As you as you work a miracle and you heal this child, Father God, Lord, we give you the praise and the glory in advance, and we ask these things in the name of your Son Jesus. Amen. 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 All right. Hey, you know. Um, a lot of things have been going on recently in the, um, in the world, um, which has in turn led people to have a lot of extra time on their hands, um, the stay at home executive orders in pretty much all 50 States, if I'm not mistaken. Um, you know, this, this COVID-19, uh, virus has really, Change the dynamics in America right now, and um, 
you know, what that's done is that's allowed a lot of us some extra time to do things that maybe we've wanted to do and just not had time to do it. Um, many of many of you who view our podcasts um, on the on the live or on the replay on the uh, Five Guys Facebook page, um, you know, I'm sure that uh, you've noticed some new activities going on on our Facebook page. And I want to take a little bit of time this evening, just a little bit to uh, kind of, you know, give you guys an idea of, of, you know, what's going on and, and why it is we're doing what we do. And uh, I'm going in no particular order. Um, but we do have a segment during the day on our Facebook page called Coffee with Carl. And our, our own brother, Carl Hawkins, uh, gets on and does a um, live video. Um, I believe, you know, he's got the verse of the day and he talks about that. Hey, Carl, tell us a little bit about, uh, about your segment and kind of, kind of how that came to be. Uh, yeah, so it came to be because I found myself, I guess, uh, spiritually not exercising. Uh, it was real easy to look at all the Instagram videos and like all this stuff, these at-home workouts and do that. You know, I picked up my run-in and uh, I found a bunch of stuff. I was doing that. I was kind of, you know, honeydew list is taken care of and finding all these things that I needed to do that I just didn't necessarily have the time or didn't make. Okay, I had the time to do a lot of this stuff, but I just didn't make the time, <laughs> especially the honeydew list, right? I didn't have an excuse. <laughs> And so the, uh, but the exercising, I kind of just, Hey, I used to go to the gym and that's, and that's that, but I found myself to where eh, I'm going to sleep in and I'm kind of helping out the daughter with the whole school thing, online school. And so I was like teacher slash principal. And I found myself biblically and spiritually trying to plug it in throughout the day. And I found, you know, it was a hole in the armor, right? A hole in the wall. And I just found myself thought-wise going back to old Carl on a couple of things. Uh, so I was just like, you know what? I'm going to get up in the morning. And, and I just said one more. I'm just like, I'm going to get up and then I'm going to go on Facebook Live. I'm going to talk about the verse of the day. Um, to put it out there, and I was like, shoot, man. Why don't I just do this as part of five guys too? Because I think it would be cool so people would get to know me on an individual basis through coffee with Carl. And I like doing my uh, spiritual workout per se in the morning. Um, so this gives me 10 to 12 minutes. I do the verse of the day. And then when I'm done, then I continue the rest of my devotions. So for like another 30, 45 minutes. Uh, so, and I wanted to kind of add that. And for me, I want to use it as a way to bless people. Because when you get up in the morning and you scroll Facebook, because that's what majority of us do, we're scrolling some sort of social media. And if someone can catch part of that and hear the verse, hear the prayer and be blessed by it, then maybe I can, or maybe through that process, someone's day can change. And so that's why I wanted to do it. And that's what we as part of our mission and vision that we had for this podcast is we want to reach people. We want to bless people through digging in scripture and doing it. And I just wanted to take 10, take 10 minutes of someone's day and just go with the verse of the day. And it has nothing to do with, you know, really our podcast. It's just, 
me uh, trying to breathe life. So. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, many of you may have caught the caught caught it yesterday or caught it this morning. Um, I tell you what, um, I was actually um, working from home and I tuned in, um, caught the replay. Sorry, Carl, it's way too early uh, mountain time. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know, I caught it and and man, I tell you what, that really at the beginning of of my work day, it just you know it kind of it spoke to me. And so I'm just, uh, you know, I'm, I'm glad that's there. And that's a, you know, that's another option um, that we have for getting the word out. You know, um, we also have uh, among the illustrious five here, um, we've got an individual who um, I would say is the, the epitome of um, late night shows. And that that would be uh, that 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 would be my that that would be my brother Arthur who does oh, gotta uh, go, Mike. No, <laughs> who uh, is doing mid midnight motivation. Uh, Arthur, you want to talk a little bit about that? Well, I haven't decided if I was going to call it midnight motivation or barely motivated because sometimes I'm barely motivated to get up. <laughs> and you do have you do have a bear behind you, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, no. What it was is I, you know, with all the coronavirus and all that craziness going on, you know, there are people who feel isolated and they listen to the news and it's junk, whether it's believable or not, whether it's true or not is irrelevant. Fear is more contagious than the virus and it spreads and you isolate yourself and you can get in this cycle of, you know, it's a negative feedback loop. And people will scroll through Facebook looking at the happy stories or to be motivated so that their brains can go, what is the point? You know, they get out of that, what is the point? Why continue? Why, you know, get out of that? that negative headspace and just come, you know, listen, join with us as we sit here, we talk about, you know, positive news stories or, you know, we have been through this before, you know, uh, there, you know, one of my favorite stories and one I was going to talk about in a couple of days, is there's this 105 year old guy who just recovered from the coronavirus. He has, lived this is his second plague that he's made it through he's made it through world war one world war two i mean the you know and just the fact that he went through was just awesome and you know we need more of those stories we need some place that we can come together talk about the negative stuff but focus on the positive stuff you know we talk a lot on this podcast about getting in the faith and sometimes God seems out of reach and it's because we're in our own negative feedback loop. And I wanted to do something that would encourage people to, uh, that would encourage people to just relax. We'll make it through it. We are resilient. We are, you know, we are survivors. We have hope that, 
the world doesn't have, but more importantly, we have hope as a community that we will adapt and overcome any situation. So that's why I did it. It's awesome. Even though awesome. it's way outside of my comfort zone, because <laughs> I mean, just because normally, you know, on the the Zoom calls, I can get passionate, but usually, unless I have something prepared, I you know, I'll I'll play off of somebody else's comment. But here, it's like, okay, you have to take all of the stuff that you have written in your journals and make it a video. And I'm like, nope, I'll, I'll just write it in my journal. I'm good. So for me, it's it's barely motivated <laughs> to get on. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's good to see uh, God moving you out of your comfort zone, Arthur. I mean, you have uh, – You've definitely got a lot to offer, sir. So uh, I do thank you for your midnight motivation or barely motivated, whichever you decide to call it. But hey, I'm going to tune in, bro. Um, just the name itself makes me want to think, man, what's he going to talk about tonight? So that's awesome, dude. And uh, Danny, buddy, Yo. you want to you want you fill us in on Triple D? Triple D. Well, <laughs> not, not to get it confused with a famous Food Network show. Uh, no, yeah. Oh, I didn't so, even go that way. Okay. <laughs> uh, one of my favorite shows out there, by the way. Uh, like his hair. We can see the background. <laughs> I wish I could have hair. Yes, I know. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, no, it's, uh, you know, Carl came to us with the idea of, you know, each of us kind of doing a just on the on the fly kind of message, and and my thing has always been kind of an encouragement, uh, motivational type thing, but one to kind of, I guess, kind of speak to you, like as for me, I speak to myself when I do these things. Like I'm a dad, I'm a husband, so uh, I try to apply the things that are really relevant to me. Uh, I guess you could say it's kind of a selfish thing because it's my uh, spiritual lesson for the day, so to speak. You know, I just get to share it with you guys. You know, best best way to best way to actually minister to some people is to speak out of your experience and the things that you've gone through and the things that God is showing you. Um, so yeah, dude, that's that's. Uh, that's awesome. I caught your, I caught your uh, devotional today. Um, fruit of the spirit, dude, man. Uh, yeah, yeah. Fruit. Yeah. One, one, one fruit. fruit. One fruit. One multiple, multiple, multiple parts, but one yeah. fruit. That's right. <laughs> and you yeah. made sure, you made sure, you made sure to, you know, point that out, which was awesome. I enjoyed, I enjoyed it. Um, and he brought the gun show as well. So. Ah yes, he brought the gun show. <laughs> the the workout was just finished, and I was like, ah, let me go ahead and go live. <laughs> yeah. By so, the way, I'm not a fan of that Gaborum fit at home. You can, you can have. That. I love it, Cody, but you know, you can have. It. Yeah. <laughs> it does work you out, man. It's, yeah. Man. Yeah, and we also. I want to throw up. Oh, <laughs> oh no, that bad, huh? <laughs> yeah. Well, body weight stuff has always done that to me. Oh, that, well, yeah. That hit, high movement stuff. Yeah. You know? Yeah. 
I'd much yeah. rather just lift heavy things and put them back down. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Amen, brother. <laughs> That's right. Yes. So this fat boys got to stick together, Arthur. <laughs> Uh, we also have we also have uh, uh, brother number four, John. Uh, you want to talk a little bit about uh, sandwich and a psalm? Ah, uh, yeah, sandwich and a psalm. So that's over the lunchtime, um, and I'm just going to pick a psalm, which is uh, kind of what I've been doing a little bit here. I'm just going to pick a psalm, and it may not be the whole one, um, and it may be you know it's generally going to be just verses because some psalms can be rather lengthy. Uh, and we're just going to, uh, I'm going to read it and, um, then dig into, um, kind of, uh, other, other scripture that supports it. So, uh, I use a, a different study Bible, uh, Holman I have right now, and I've got a couple other ones. Um, I also have Matthew Henry's commentaries and I just go in there and kind of look at it and, and kind of break down how, how it's looked at by the scholar types and then take them and put it into Oh, 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 the 5G oh. struck again. Yeah, it's always John. John's always, being persecuted. Always John. John. Right. <laughs> the persecution of John continues. But when he and, comes and, back, let, <laughs> when he comes back, I'm going to tell him that he needs to give us some warning about if he decides to cover Psalms 119 so we can grab a couple of footlongs for that one. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. I, I, you know, I want to say, too, uh, we know another friend of ours with a similar last name. He's known as the warm cup of coffee. From now on, John will be known as the warm bite of sandwich. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> oh, that he is completely gone. Oh, you made him mad oh, and he left. He left. <laughs> he didn't the like sandwich that left. Well, the we'll, sandwich is we'll, gone. We'll uh, – <laughs> We'll, we'll get back. We'll get back to the sandwich when we get him back on. Um, and you know, you know I, you just, this he, just go. He just, I'm sorry. You know what he's doing right now. Yes. Yeah, all right. So, well, you know how they say like 5G is not actually 5G. It's fake. Well, we're not actually five guys. We're really just. <laughs> <laughs> he's a he's a pot. He's a pot that like freezes up every now and then. Yeah, and um, of course, you know. Um, I've got the um, Eric's Electronic Rush Hour, which uh, basically um, my goal with that was to take, you know, scripture and, you know, get it out there and not necessarily be controversial or start a fight, but more to get a discussion going where, because I know that people are different and people have different ideas and different interpretations and different opinions on certain scriptures. And it actually, it actually panned out because within an hour of me posting yeah, that video, that phone call. I got that phone call from, uh, from my uh, pastor and one of my dearest friends from back home. And uh, we had a challenging conversation. Uh, let's put it that way. And what I mean by challenging is, when you get asked, when you get asked a question, um, do you believe that that's as black and white as you made it sound on, on the video? And, uh, for those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, go back to yesterday's post on, uh, the first, 
electronic rush hour with Eric uh, video and, and watch it. And uh, that'll, that'll catch you up real quick. Um, but it kind of ties into what, what I think, what I think an elephant in the room that we need to address. And that elephant in the room is the Christian response or some of the Christian response to this global pandemic that we are experiencing right now. Um, I had, I had read a, an article about a megachurch pastor in the Tampa area who was arrested for holding church service in violation of a stay at home or safer at home executive order. And so my, you know, my, my, my thing is, is, is it immediately turned into a, Oh, the church is being persecuted. The church is being persecuted. No, the church isn't being persecuted um, during, during this time. Because if, if we were being persecuted, we would be, we would be told you can no longer talk about Jesus. You can no longer preach in the name of Jesus. So I went to Romans 13 uh, verses one through seven. And, you know, and I, I, I read it and I, you know, voiced, voiced my opinion on it. And it's talking about the submission to authority. Right. And so do we have, do we, do we have the, do we have the uh, warm bite of sandwich back? Yes. Uh, yeah. And thankfully I was listening. So you guys didn't uh, catch any of my audio while I was off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, the pickles were flying. <laughs> yeah. So, it, <laughs> so anyway, what we, you know, we had, we had a, uh, what I said was, you know, somewhat controversial to the ultra radical, um, ultra radical Christians who are like, okay, you know, yeah, we, we're not going to fear. We're just going to go ahead and, and go life. Life is normal. And, uh, I believe there was another pastor in I, Louisiana. Was it? Yes. Um, yeah, that all that, that also, that also got arrested. Now I want to open, I want to open this up for just a hair guys, because I want to hear, um, I want to hear what you guys think of the, uh, about the attitude and general thought process of, you know, the, the, these types of, of ministers that basically, in my opinion, are, are flaunt using Christianity to back an action but they're not, they're not acting out of love. So I, I, I want to open this up. Um, John, I'll let you, I'll let you go first and hopefully you don't cut out on us again. No, I'm on my phone now. I, I got over this computer thing. So, um, it, it, 5G. It, yeah, yeah. On my phone. <laughs> uh, it, it's an interesting uh, topic to broach. Uh, I personally, I, I think the way that I'm viewing their behavior is selfish. Um, 
I'm viewing their behavior as they are bigger than what they're preaching. Um, you know, I, I, I just, I think that's a struggle for the modern day pastor, especially in this particular thing. Um, especially when you get into what they call the mega churches, when you got 20,000 people that, you know, and I'm not saying this is what they said. So I'm not putting words in their mouth, but this is how it, it comes to me is how people rely on them to give the word and on them to give them a place to worship. Um, and I just think that that comes across with, you know, it's not you they're relying on. And if it, if you think it's you, then, you know, you need to be taken down a step or two. Um, and that's just my, uh, my view on this is I just think that they are, um, putting themselves before or thinking of themselves as bigger than and not, you know, the challenge is can you rely on the Lord to provide or are you relying on fear to run it? Because if they don't show up, they won't tithe. You know, if they mm-hmm. don't show up, they're never going to come back again. Um, those are fear statements to me. You know, God built your church. God built your following. God will give you what you deserve what you've earned, what, what God feels that you can handle. And if you've built this massive thing and you think that they're relying on you to give them the word and relying on you, um, then maybe God's going to cut that back. And instead of 20,000, you're going to start with 200 again and, and humble and humble that heart. So that's, that's my view. Okay. That's a, that's a, that's a, that's a good view, John. Um, I didn't, you know, I, I didn't look at it from a, you know, Hey, they're not going to show up. They're not going to show up. They're going to quit tithing and all that. I really didn't look at it from that view. Um, so, um, thank you for bringing that view to the table. Um, gives me a little something and, uh, something else to think about as well. Um, Carl, well, what's, uh, what, what do you think, man? So I don't blame the pastor for what he did. Uh, but I, under with the lines of that John was thinking, I think, and uh, we've kind of had this discussion offline and I've had with other people and is that uh, uh, a lot of churches and pastors are going to have to start putting into practice what they are preaching and what's in the Bible, what they're telling the congregation. You tell the congregation you need to give and tithe and you lost your job, you have these things, you need to be faithful, faithful, faithful. Point out these pastors and these administrators of these churches need to be faithful. It's time to be faithful, and it's time to know that God is, that the church is God. It's exactly what John was saying, right? Um, mm-hmm. uh, uh, he's the rock. Jesus is the rock that the church was built upon, and he's going to, he's got it. Like Revelations, the seven lampstands, right, which represents the church. Whose hands were they in? They were in Christ's hands, right? So he has the churches. I think the pastor got what he deserved by outwardly and just outlandishly putting people uh, just his way about it. He even went on to, to say in one interview that they had things that people walked in and they had stuff that would just blow the virus away. Man, if you've got that kind of technology and you've got it, why are you keeping it at your church? Hmm. 
Like, why aren't you telling people about that? Why aren't you saying, hey, you need to buy this because this is going to get rid of the virus if it actually did, right? I think it's a bunch of bull monarchy, right? But um, he's just doing it because it's kind of, and it's, it's kind of like the meme where it shows like Jesus knocking on the door and he's like, hey, Karen, I need you to stop telling people that I'm going to take care of you. You know, you need to take your medication. You need to talk to your doctor. You need to do these things. Like, I'm still here. You know, but like, so there's wisdom, like God is going to, there's faith, but there's also wisdom. And sometimes we need to, uh, and you said it perfectly. And I think Eric, when you talked about it is, uh, I don't feel that the law of putting down was threatening my first of my, my first amendment, right? Not yet. It hasn't. Uh, and it, I did not feel, so I had no problem with my church and the way they did it and going online and streaming. Um, but I don't blame churches for wanting to congregate, but uh, they didn't even adhere to any of the safety laws. So a bunch of those people were at risk. Yeah. And you can't do that. Now, he turned himself in, at least the one in Tampa. He actually turned himself in. Uh, they issued an arrest warrant. He turned himself in. Who knows what's going to happen? Blah, blah, blah. All these things. But I think it's... Uh, some people are wanting a first amendment war that's not there some people are witch hunting for it yeah the thing is that why are we witch hunting for it because when it does happen and i've been eventually just because of the nature of the way the world and the church operates it's going to come like let it come when it's supposed to come because like why do you want it now why do you want this war right now there's other more important things that we could do. The church needs to be focused on providing and doing everything to help out the community, being the church in the community, practicing what we're supposed to be preaching, going back to acts, doing all those things instead of fighting a war that doesn't need to be fought. That's right. Right. Yeah. That's, that's, <laughs> that's, uh, that's another, another set of interesting points. See, this is, this is what, this is what I try to do is I try to get, you know, conversations started. And I think a lot of people are dealing with, with, with fear and uncertainty and, you know, they're, they're really afraid to call it what it is and, and uh, talk about it. Um, you know, because we just don't know, know enough about it. Um, I'm going to say, Hey, Arthur, buddy. Oh no, you're going to want to do me last. Okay. I'll I do, am. Uh, I am the dissenting voice. Okay. All right. All right. All right. You'll, get, you'll get to go before me, Arthur. Um, <laughs> but okay, Danny, what, uh, what, do you, what, what do you think? I mean, are they, are, are they doing it out of love? Is it pride? Is it, you know, is it arrogance? I mean, what, what, what's your take, man? Give me a second because my Wi-Fi is messing up. <laughs> oh, fine. I'll go. <laughs> okay, Arthur, it looks like you're on the hot seat. All right. It was not a hot seat for me. It's a hot seat for you because I'm about to bring it. First of all, <laughs> the I don't know anything about the Tampa faster. I I I honestly don't. And I don't care that he brought his people together from what I read from the news reports. His church was practicing the proper amount of social distancing. And uh, if that's the case, then I don't have a problem with them congregating. 
they take their own choice because I believe in personal responsibility over government mandated tyranny. And <laughs> the one in Louisiana, the one I actually know something about, uh, I don't know if it's the same one, but it, it wasn't a mega church. It was a pastor who was ticketed and fined because he refused to shut his doors. He is in a small community. His church does childcare for free. They have practiced sanitary procedures. They feed the homeless. And most of his congregation do not have any form of Wi-Fi or internet, and his church does not either. If you are the cornerstone of your community, if you are the bedrock of hope and stability for those people, the government coming to tell you to shut down is wrong. If that, there are small communities all across this country that no matter, you know, everybody talks about New York and San Francisco and Washington and where these, all these huge government programs where people can sit here and have all of these resources in the small towns, in the rural country, there are people who deal with it on their own and may never know someone who had Corona. And to like, okay, I'll give you an example. My county is a small county. Our town has less than 5,000 people in it, right? We have no cases of coronavirus in our county at all. The county next to us had its very first case, and my county decided that they were going to shut down everything. You are, this is before the governor shut down the whole state. They, the, the town said, we're shutting everything down. No parks, no nothing. We don't care about social distancing. You are restricted to your house and your premises for everything except essential. And they had no definition of what essential was. They still don't. When you sit here and classify liquor stores and as essential but not churches you need to look at yourself really hard in the mirror now my second point because i can rant on about tyranny tell the cows come home what was that just danny <laughs> i think i'm good i'm sorry my second point people sit here and if you you know Carl, you brought up the whole filtration, whether it's real or not. You know, you should tell people you should donate that. No, I disagree. If I was smart enough to buy hand sanitizer, to buy natural supplies before this crisis ever started, I'm going to quote Anne Ryan, Atlas Shrugged for you. I swear by my life and my love of it that I will never live for the sake of another man nor ask another man to live for mine. You do not have a right to my goods and my services for a common good. I get that, but why not tell people about it so they too can purchase it? Okay. We have That's what I said. Here, but we have people who have – 
changed all of their all of their manufacturing for to make a product that is in demand and when people go and advertise to sell it people jump on them and say well you should just donate it for free you should just do that no you are not entitled to it i get that's, that I, that's can just I just one, point? one about the the man who had seventeen thousand bottles of hand sanitizer i mean there, there's got to be a limit i can see having did enough he, for yourself did he buy it did he buy it before there was a run on it and before there was a crisis he bought it when he's seen the crisis coming. So he went throughout the county and bought out every single store he went into. If I went and bought it in November and bought no, 17,000. Okay, that, that's different. There's already a run. It's already in the news. If somebody went and bought them in November, October, August, you know, before all of this hit the news, no, oh, you, do, you do not have a right to come and confiscate it. Now, here's my problem with that whole 17,000 bottles, 17,856 bottles of hand sanitizer. He bought them. They belong to him. Amazon, eBay, any of those sites have the right to restrict the sale because he's price gouging or he's taking advantage of a crisis because they are private entities. My problem is that the government went and confiscated it and then took a portion of it for themselves before they made him donate it and he's out of pocket for all of that. I have a problem with that. Because he made, when the, he made more when the than government what he lost. does it, huh? He made more than what he lost. It, it, and it all these companies that it are doesn't now matter. manufacturing. They had no right to confiscate it. They're not doing it for free. <laughs> right. They're getting paid. They're getting paid. Just that it is it's not said who's getting paid. The my pillow guy, he's getting paid. Under Armour is getting paid. All these it's big this part of the that defense act, whatever. Or Oh, I get it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just saying. And I don't yeah, it, make it, masks it, and get yeah. paid for it. I don't care. Just don't price gouge. I I'm just not a fan of like make it just sell it. Yeah. So, Arthur, so Arthur, let me ask you this question: Are you are you saying that the unethical act of the you know over seventeen thousand eight hundred bottles of hand sanitizer? Um, are you you're saying that they don't have a right to come in and um, demand donation? They don't have to the right to come in and take and all of that. Where is what as as a, as a Christian? What would you do? Would you be would would you be price gouging and uh, taking advantage of a crisis, or would you be using that? Would you have a heart and go out and share the wealth with your brothers and sisters? Maybe somebody that you gave a bottle of that hand sanitizer to might just accept Jesus because you gave them that bottle of hand sanitizer. But but instead, you decide to price gouge, and then the government price gouging is illegal, by the way. Um, so you're performing an illegal act. So are you justifying an illegal act? You can say that price gouging is illegal. 
I do not think it should be illegal, nor can you prove to me that the government says the price gouging is illegal. Let me give you an example. I am a diabetic. Yep. If I buy insulin in Mexico, it costs me $5 a vial. If I buy insulin here, it's $750 a vial. Explain to me where the price gouging is. Or now, broken I, system. <laughs> I, know, I know the economics behind it. The United States creates most of the innovation in medication and we pay for it. And we have all of this wonderful health care that regulates prices. But you cannot tell me, the government cannot tell me that price gouging is illegal when they charge me 97 cents a gallon of gas for taxes that it directly raises the price of gas. And they sit here and add to it. You cannot tell me that the government does not believe in price gouging when medical supplies are unfairly pumped up in this country because they know we can't afford it. So, and I don't necessarily believe that price gouging is wrong. And I'll tell you why. If you allow some semblance of price gouging, it acts as an economic buffer from what happened with the TP apocalypse of 2020. <laughs> if, you, if you sit here and you had people who go in and buy 100 rolls of toilet or 100 packages of toilet paper, right? So we're talking like four to a thousand rolls of toilet paper. If you sit here and had the ability to jack up prices, you could stop that. <clears throat> but, it, but, but, but in the end, what I'm hearing is, um, I'm hearing that you're saying, you know, you don't think price gouging is illegal. You don't think there's anything necessarily inherently wrong with it. Um, so basically what I'm hearing is, is, you know, screw you. As long as I get mine, I don't care. I didn't say that. <laughs> That's if, what it's if you believe that you are entitled to my goods and services, congratulations, you are a robber to the same extent of somebody who comes into my house. Be honest about it when you mandate charity. Be honest. If you believe that you are entitled to my goods, bring guns because you are as much of a robber as somebody who breaks in my house. You well, cannot mandate charity. If I choose to be charitable, it is because I want to be charitable. Because the moment that you try to mandate charity or altruistic behavior, it is now tyranny regardless of the original motive. So, 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 uh, so you're saying Jesus was the original fascist and tyranny. And and tyranny. Well, you say, say you said, you said that you cannot mandate charity. I disagree with you, sir, because charity is mandated by Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Therefore, charity is being mandated. I love the finger wagon going on. Are, hey. are, are you seriously going to go down that road? Um, uh, you know. Okay, okay. Since we're he's been take, trying to work in Jesus as a since, communist since, since we're one. gonna take scripture and twist it, allow me to twist it back into shape. 
If you don't work, you don't eat. Period. Well, I could, I'm not going to say anything on that one because it's, you I mean, cannot, you're right. You cannot regulate. Okay, but, but I, I, I'm just going to say, what about the bags of hope when we go but, and do that? But we weren't mandated to do it. We did it out of the kindness of our hearts. We did mm -hmm. it because we wanted to be the hands and feet. We you did, did it because you did it because you felt in your spirit that that's what God wanted you to do. He was driving you to be charitable. I chose to be the hands and feet. I you, you, chose because we have free will. I can choose to do what I have read in the Bible, or I can choose to be Ebenezer Scrooge. I, uh, Ms. Paula says, keeping a fair price for goods and services is not mandating charity. Go. Oh, there you go. What was that? <laughs> thank, thank you, Miss Paula. <laughs> no, no, no. We, we didn't say fair goods for a fair price. We said... We said price gouging. Price gouging. But that's but that's fair goods for fair price versus driving that, up the price. That's not charity. That's not charity. That's two different arguments. One is one is fair goods and services and allowing some elevated prices is a simple law of economics of supply and demand. If the demand goes up. The supply goes down because they can only do it. So prices go up to regulate that demand. That is why price gouging is not necessarily a bad thing. Charity is you will donate your face masks that you bought <clears throat> before the crisis so that someone else can have them. And if you don't, I will guilt you or criminalize your actions. That is not charity. That is theft. Okay, first off, guilt is a choice. No one can make you guilty. Uh, the law can make you guilty. <laughs> yeah, but you said I'm going to guilt you. So that's not that's not law. That's that's impressing uh, I, a feeling onto somebody. I, I would agree with you if it wasn't for the fact that we live in a socially connected society in which negative reviews on Yelp can hammer a restaurant to the point of going out of business. You could have one person who's got a grudge and smashes somebody when it comes to ratings and they'll lose business. You can sit well, here and attack a company with negative reviews so that nobody will want to purchase their goods. That is using a social system to put guilt on that person, regardless of what the actual actions are. That happens anyways. Ag agree. But it's still, I mean, that, that, that's, that's not guilt, that's malicious attack. I don't know, I'm just saying the feeling of guilt is not one you can put on someone, they have to accept it. Mm. Good point. Good point. Good point. Yeah. And I just, I just want to, I, I just want to take a, a minute to, um, decompress. You know, <laughs> no, not to, not to decompress, but to, to, to let you know our listeners and viewers know 
hey, you, you, have, you have seen and, and, and you've witnessed a difference of opinions between brothers. But at the end of the day, we still love each other no matter what, because we're brothers in Christ first and foremost. So this is, yep. this is one of the facts that I wanted, or one of the things I wanted to get across <laughs> To our to our listeners and our viewers, I want I, I I want you to see that the dialogue that happens, yes, it can get heated in in, in your life. <laughs> Things can happen. It can get heated. You can get you can get really ticked off at, at somebody. But at the end of the day, Arthur's been able to say what you know what his what his take on it is, and I've been able to say my take uh, quite forcefully at times. Um, but. <laughs> Arthur, Arthur feels that he's been heard. I feel that I've been heard, and we both win because he sees how I look at things, even though he thinks it's wrong and, and, and not right. I see the way he looks at things. I don't understand it. I don't necessarily agree with it. But at the end of the day, as brothers in Christ, as, as fellow Christians, we can agree to disagree and still have a relationship after this podcast is over. So that's, I just wanted to get that out there. And the thing uh, is, like, a lot of us have, like, I don't fully disagree with Arthur I don't on, either. A lot, on a lot of his stuff. I just, we, we just all have different perspectives on how we kind of see it. Like, for, like, for me, I'm really, like, um, you hear all these churches saying, hey, we need you to give, 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 give more. You have to give more. People, half their congregation lost their job. You need to give more. And me, I'm saying, hold on. Where is your faith that God is going to continue everything? Where's your faith that the congregation is going to give what they can give? Maybe it's going to be less because as half the congregation lost their income and people are still giving what they can. I think God is still going. And then I just go back to the church and I just say, what can you do to help out? Right? Maybe you need to shut your doors because your tithing went down. So now you can't pay the bills. So, Shut your doors, turn off the AC, so those bills go down. Now you work because, all right, take your live streaming into your office instead of the sanctuary, so you don't have to cool the sanctuary. Are you being a good steward with the money that is now coming your way? Because you're going to recoup, right? People are still going to give. Like, I believe you're, the, the true believers are still going to give what they can give. So don't shove it down the throat to continue giving. Show that you are doing what you need to do to be faithful. Start mimicking the words that you want people to do. Be the church. Start showing and being the church. That's where I come out. And so, and I see that. And so, um, that's like my thought process. It's just like, this is the time for the church to kind of man up and start acting like the church. Well, and it, I think it is happening, evidenced by the live streaming and, you know, the, the explosion of live streaming and Facebook Live and this YouTube Live. And I think a lot of the issue comes from there's almost because of that explosion and you have uh, pastors and in, in leadership kind of seeing other churches live streaming. And it's like, oh, I've got to match that. You know, I can't, I can't do it from my office because it won't look as good, you know, or, or something like that. Yeah. And then we get into, uh, you know, other areas there. But, you know, so it's like I've got to match that. I've got to be able to put worship 
into my message. You know, I've got to be able to put the band in there, the, the, the guitar, the drum, the piano, the, you know, orchestra, the choir, you know, and all this stuff. And so where do you, where do you, where does that fit in? You know, I mean, if you're able to do it, then do it, I suppose. You know, if it's not affecting your budget or anything like that. Well, that's where, that's where, that's where you have to look at. I think, I think, you know, this is, this is some of the things that are coming out of this pandemic that we're going through is, you know, the, the, the weaknesses that the subtle weaknesses, the chinks in the armor of the church are being brought to light and God is trying to refine the God's trying to refine the church. You know, our nation has sinned against God. Our churches have sinned against God. So what, how, how did God bring about holiness and, and a right, you know, bring his people back into a right standing with him from, from, the beginning of time things happened plagues happened so you know maybe may, just maybe you know god is god is the master gardener maybe maybe the the american church bush has gotten too unkempt looking and it's time for the gardener to come in and start to prune and make it beautiful again. Oh, I see that. I think yeah. a lot of pruning, a lot of churches are going to have to, are facing the music and God is taking his church back. I see yeah, that. I, I think on that too, I think there's a huge opportunity. Now, first off, I'm going to say, yes, I, I agree with much of what, Arthur said there's just like um like semantic parts of it that I'm just like ah, <laughs> yeah off slightly but I mean I don't I don't just you you shouldn't have stuff taken you shouldn't be expected to just give your talents for nothing I, I agree with that end of it there should be some compensation in that sense I just don't think when we've talked about the guy with the 17,000 bottles that was it that was a that was an opportunist in a time when opportunists shouldn't be shining. You know, it was just in a, a time frame that was different. I don't think they should have taken it. I think he should have had to sell it for a fair market value and made some money. Yes, but not to the extremes he was, but that's my only difference there. No, um, I, I agree with that point. Same thing with the, even though it irks me and it galls me that I am forced my my freedom of assembly is is attacked because of a stay-at-home order. I understand the need to do it. I don't necessarily think that the federal government should be in charge of it, but I do understand it. My fear is that when this is over or it becomes an indeterminate amount of time, that those freedoms once lost are hard fought to regain. At least in Florida, uh, the right to still meet at religious services and have religious services is still in the order. Like so that is. Then what did he do wrong? Because well, was, the, did you see the live stream video? They were shoulder to shoulder, and there were more than fifty people. 
No, yeah. see, that, that, that's why I didn't comment on him is because I had yeah. not seen the news. Oh, yeah, they were – it was like 500 people shoulder <laughs> yeah. to shoulder. It's the same situation with the guy in Louisiana. And so it was uh, It was just that. So it's like if churches uh, were only doing 10 at a time, so you came in and did 10, like we had thought about it like for um, – uh, to do communion, right, 10 at a time, have a sign-up sheet whatever sign up online and do 10 at a time, but we're not doing that. We're doing, we're going to do something different. Uh, uh, then no, no churches would get in trouble because you're following the letter. of You're following, you're still congregating within what was there. So at least I know Florida, it's written in the language. You can still go to church. Just do your six foot rule. No more than 10 people. Like we've asked restaurants and other, other businesses to do and everything else. Yeah. That, and that order came out today. That's why he was arrested. Well, Arthur, I just want to correct. So Arthur, you know, Arthur said for government, you know, the federal, the state government is the one who put the stay at home orders in effect. Yep. You know, the, the governors made that call. So. Yeah. Trump has not, he has urged he, and he said people clearly. to do it, but he said he's not going to make an order for the whole United States to do it. Because that's martial. That's you, now you right. start going into martial law, and that's bad. Like I start like, all right, I'm going to Arthur's house because we're going to. Hunt right. Like <laughs> I'm bringing my weapons. <laughs> I'm bringing my. I'm bringing everything I got in the family, and we're hungering down because let's go. So. Well, let me let me let me let me let me let me ask this question, just because this is this is this is something, and Arthur, forgive me, I'm not trying to start a fight here. No, it's fine. As I, he puts I, the boxing gloves on, I, I I understand. I understand that you know you feel like your 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 freedom of assembly has been taken from you. Now let me ask you this: as a brother in Christ, when the Bible says God has not given me the spirit of fear, but the spirit of love, power, and a sound mind, where where is the love if you know that your very presence unknowingly having the virus that causes COVID, but not knowing it, not exhibiting any symptoms, where is your love for your neighbor if you don't comply for a short time for this? Where's your love for your neighbor? I don't have you, you, any sympathy for that at all. And I will tell you why. I have no immune system. The common flu could kill me every year. The panic that people are going through, the stockpiling of supplies, I have to do it every year because okay. the flu could kill me. You can't use that what happens if your presence, nobody ever thinks about me until the freaking world is about to end. I mean, come on, really. <laughs> but, I mean, but, 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 but I'm just... If I'm just I have COVID, I have a 60% chance of dying. So... I don't necessarily, you know, it, it's not necessarily a true transaction of what if your presence of, I'm an introvert anyhow. I don't want to be around anybody from August till May. Okay. Knowing, <laughs> knowing, knowing the fact that, that you are severely immunocompromised or lacking an, immu a, a, an immune system, how would you feel going to church knowing and finding out that somebody passed along the disease that could potentially kill you. Would that, would, would that upset you? I thought we weren't supposed to have a spirit of fear. 
I don't. I'm just. I. I, I'm I, do, blind. I, I have no immune system and I ran a tough mutter. All right. I have no. You immune. paid the price for that. And then was sick for a month and I still have scars on my body from it because I do not heal. I do not have a spirit of fear. If somebody gave me COVID-19, coronavirus, whatever, and it killed me off, guess what? It could have been the dude next to him with the flu. It could have been the common cold. It could have been some infection I picked up because I stepped on a nail or some bird pooped on my hair or something. I, I, don't, I don't think your argument's you, you, going to you, work with you, Arthur. You're dodging the question. No, he's not. You're, no, you're he's not. Questions. I don't think he is. I don't think he is. I have no, I have no fear that somebody's going to give me a disease, this particular disease, because if I was to wallow on that, I would have to sit here and focus on the 15,000 other diseases that never kills anybody but could theoretically kill me. The flu kills 60,000 people in the United States alone and affects 34 million people in the United States every year. And nobody shuts it down. The swine flu killed 12,000 people before we did anything. I don't want to hear, I mean, I, I am sympathetic and I'm willing to rally with the cause. However, you can't guilt me into it and you can't use fear to get me to stay in my house. No, no, not you. I'm talking about the government. But your question was, how would you feel if somebody gave it to you? The same way I feel when every when my son every, every time you the, go to church. When I every time I go to church, somebody yeah. has the flu, they don't stay home. I just get the flu, and then I have to take fifty thousand doses or fifty thousand milligrams of vitamin C every day for two weeks. I, I just want to say body. we've seen Arthur on his regiment, and it's intense. Right, right. No, I'm, I, 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 hey, Arthur, I'm just, I'm just, I, you know, I'm just throwing it out there. Um, you know, I, like I said, it's, a, it's a discussion, you know. I am willing, I am willing to be in quarantine with everybody else for a certain amount of time, but at a certain amount of time, May 1st. No, even, <laughs> even, even if, even if, if the numbers say that we need to go longer, I'm okay. But here's what nobody wants to talk about. If the economy shuts down for an extended period of time, right. and for every percentage point of unemployment that goes up, more people die. It is a proven fact. When... Uh, unemployment goes up, people die. Mm -hmm. If our economy gets shut down and the, the United States cannot recover, you think that the death to coronavirus is bad? Wait until you see the loss of America and the destruction of society. How many people will die? As somebody who has no immune system, I would gladly sacrifice my life for this country for this planet because I believe that America is not a nation, but an ideal. And the moment that we give up hope, the moment that we sit here and fold ourselves into fear on the couch until the bad storm goes away, 
is wrong. I would gladly give my life to have this country carry on. I don't speak for myself either. There are plenty of the greatest generation who have been through stuff. There are older people who have been through stuff and would gladly lay down their lives for their children and their grandchildren. To sit here and stop an entire economy for a percentage of the population and destroy everything is wrong and foolhardy. But that's just me. Well, maybe maybe this 237-year experiment called America is on its last leg. Well, we could get into the... Uh, I'm we, right, could yeah. it, we could get into end times prophecy and is the United States in the end times prophecies at all? But Under a different name, maybe. So We could also uh, look at the fact that our economy has been destroyed more than one time and has been able to bounce back. And the, uh, you know, I, this, this is a major inconvenience. But if you have an inkling at all of what could be and you commit to that you can walk out the other side bigger and brighter than you walked into the storm Do you, there there is more opportunity coming forward than what we've lost i can guarantee that there is more opportunity on the other side of this than what we're losing right now it's going to change it's going to look different Normal, oh, I, I, I normal agree. Is not normal anymore. It's not going to happen again. That's right. Yeah, it's true. I agree. Yeah. And, and I'm not saying that there is no hope. I'm just saying that at a certain point, you have to restart the economy or throw the thing down the crapper. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it, it will. I mean, this, well, this, yeah. economy, this economy is taking its lumps and it's going to take more lumps. I mean, we're 30 days before we're going to even see the peak. From what I'm, and that's what I feel. I mean, we, we're just we're just starting to ramp up, and as as testing increases, um, we're so going to see the, those numbers go up. Yeah, yep. yeah. And the number that I'm really concerned with is the death number, yeah. because you know if we have a if we have a million people that get it, and you know, ten thousand that die, all right, that that's going to happen. But if we have a million that get it and we have four hundred thousand die, that's a problem. And that's where you have to mitigate and, and kind of people won't pers purposely shut themselves out, but you're going to have to shut them out and say, you can't do this because if you continue to do this, you're continuing to perpetuate an exponential climb and exponential climbs in a, in a, in a pandemic type situation. You can't, you can't live with that. It's going to hit a yeah. point. And it's not the point that so many people can get sick. It's how soon do those people get sick? You know, we have, Arthur saying there's 60 million people that get the flu every year. If 60 million people got the flu in three months, I can guarantee you there'd be more than 60,000 deaths. There'd be considerably more, maybe even tenfold more. Than, and that's what they're looking at here. Is if well, we this, also have, we also have, now I, I'm not downplaying the coronavirus at all. I'm not downplaying coronavirus No, I'm not saying it. I'm not saying it, but and, when we hear the numbers come out, it's like, well, yeah, but we're, we're dealing with two different, you know, that's an apple and an orange thing. We also have a vaccine for the flu virus. We have five of them. We have medications yeah, and we also have, to we have, Yeah, we, we also have other treatments that you 
can do to right. lower that the effect why, of all that. That is why the flu, the percentage of flu death is so low. Yep. Because this, the, the seasonal flu that we have is the great, 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 great grandchild of the 1918 epidemic. It is the yep. same yep. virus. We just have developed ways around it. This too shall pass. I'm what what I'm saying is is that we can either choose to live by fear, or and, and I've I've always been honest with the whole. If it's my time, it's my time. If it's not my time, no virus, no government, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Because God says I'm still supposed to be here. Yeah. So and, and I walk in that. I mean, I was supposed to be dead 16 years ago because of my you know the brain tumor and all the other stuff and i'm still here apparently i'm here for a reason and the scientists the doctors that i deal with all the time go we don't know why you're still here you have no immune system you don't you don't hide in a bubble you don't <laughs> I mean, you, you run out, tough mothers you go down the streets, you participate in obstacle course races, we, you're a medical anomaly. And nah, it's just because you're stubborn. I have a purpose. Yeah. That's what my wife says. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, so, and it's okay to err on the side of caution, right? It's okay to do that. And if we look, I was speaking to our uh, friend from Japan uh, earlier and you know, they're still under quarantine, you know, stay at home orders and, and such. And they've been at it, what, a month, month and a half longer than we have? Yeah, something yeah, like four that. Weeks. Four weeks. Yeah. Now, I don't know the numbers in Japan or anything like that. I didn't bother to look those up. But just the fact that they're still under those orders. And he's in a uh, remote part. town. Yeah, remote. <laughs> you know, so it's it's – you know, for it to be out there, you know, it's it's kind of – at least it gives me a viewpoint of where we're going to be, you know, in the next few months. Arthur, you're right. The economy is going to take a hit. John, you're right. But the economy is going to bounce back. The, the bell curve, the history, it's all there to support it. I And I almost think – I, I almost think that this is uh, – because we had been at such, a, such an up – I mean, it, the the correction rate of the Dow and the economy for the last hundred plus years has been five to seven years, and you get major corrections. And we had gone ten, almost eleven years without anything more than minor correction. And so, I mean, I, I think it's it, it almost bucked back, and it's so many things happened. It's it, it's so crazy because it's like fifteen different directions that came at it, you know. And, and the funny part that I see in this whole thing, and this is where I find my humor in this, is the amount of fingers being pointed. You know? Yeah. This, 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 was, this was a perfect storm in an imperfect world. It hit us in ways that nobody expected. And, and anyone can say, oh, yeah, well, we've had these. We've, you know, we've known that this was going to come out of China for years now. Yeah, you have. You know, but even though you know the storm's coming, most people don't. Most people don't get in shelter. Yeah, I have. I, I have to. I have to kind of disagree with you on something there, John, because um, there was something published back in October of 2019, 
a little little uh, tabletop exercise that was had, and the actual uh, predicted place of a pandemic of this nature did not come from China. It came out of uh, in the tabletop exercise. It came out of South America, and the predicted deaths and everything from this tabletop exercise just a few months before we were made aware that this had happened in, in, in China, the predicted death rate from this pandemic was 65 million people. So there were, there were talks about this just a few months or a month and a half to two months in advance of the, of, of this pandemic. Um, and, and that was reported by a reputable well, I say reputable news source, but, you know, mo most news sources are fear mongers and, and uh, fear peddlers and things like that. Was it the blaze? <laughs> no, it was not the bla it was not the blaze. It well, was, no, it was I mean, Dr. Fauci in uh, August uh, or no. Yeah, I believe it was August said that there would be something that comes out of the Asian Peninsula. I mean, he, he said it. He goes the next pandemic. And uh, the um, because Holmstrom, it comes out I think it, yeah, Holmstrom, I think it is from the U of M here, has uh, been predicting for ten years. He's like the next one is going to come out of here. He's going to come because out because it uh, comes out year. on a regular cycle. Yes, stars, yeah. and they were just they were just worried about which yeah. one was going to which one was going to mutate from animal to human, and be right. directly transmittable, and then go from human to human. Which one would mutate quick enough that it would get to the point where we can't. Now, I if this would have happened in 1991 or 1995 or 1999 or 2001 before the human genome was was written before they were able to finally write out the whole human genome. Right. I don't even know what this would have done because the timing of any type of cure, any type of anything would be almost triple what it is now. Now they're saying in less than 18 months we could possibly have a vaccine and we could possibly have treatments in, in less than a year where even 15 years ago, that would have been three years and two years. Right. You know? So, I mean, I, I, I honestly, God's given us an incredible amount of intelligence. He's given us an incredible ability to kind of figure things out and, you know, the whole science and, you know, can you believe it? Can you not believe it? It's just like, dude, man, God gave us the ability to think, reason, and and research for a purpose. Right. To use that to our advantage. And for all the times that this could have happened multiple, multiple, multiple times, it waited until now. And now it's happened. And we have, even in the last five years, the genetic capability of, of that community of science is, is tenfolded. It's just incredible what they can do. Now you have supercomputing and all these other things. You know, it's almost like, okay, now you guys have the ability, but do you have the resolve? Here you go. And now yeah. the test is, do we have the resolve to use the God-given talents, intelligence, and abilities to attack this and go after it? And if we don't, then there's going to be carnage. You know, so – it's not necessarily relying on religion as much or relying on um, science. I look at it more as relying on, on faith. Do you believe the God given talents you've been given to get this taken care of? And 
that that's where I'm at with this whole thing. You know, it, it's science, it's religion, it's it's a combination. They don't live separately. God gave us both. Right. And how are we going to use it? How can we accentuate everything he's given us to go after something else that he's given us? You know, not necessarily given us, but, you know, here's the problem. Uh, you know, in, in Amos, just to bring this around, my, my pastor talked about this tonight in Amos um, 4.6. It's when it talks about Israel not accepting correction. And he goes through all the things. Um, it starts in Amos 4.6. Uh, but he says, you know, I also, I gave you cleanliness of teeth in all, in all your cities and lack the bread in all your places, yet you not return to me, says the Lord. I also withheld rain from you when there were still three months to the harvest. I made it rain one day on one city. I withheld rain from another city. One part was rained upon, and where it did not rain, the part withered. So two or three cities wandered to another city to drink water, but they were not satisfied. You know, he, he just goes through the different things he did, and yet, even after that, we still didn't come back to him. Um, and it was an interesting, I've never heard, I've never heard Amos. I don't know much about him, but when it was brought up by my pastor, it was really an interesting, um, it's four through four, six through four thirteen. Um, so yeah, I would, if you get a chance to go through that, but it's really good. And it just, again, it's like, what is it going to take to fall to your knees and come back? And I think we're at that point again. I don't think it's the end as much as it's what is it going to take for me to get you to come back? Right. And he's taken away everything. And now we have him left. Well, and it's like, it, and it, it's just like, you know, the whole book of Job, you know, um, they, the, the adversary weaseled his way into the assembly that was praising God. And, you know, God was like, yo, how, where'd you come from? And, you know, and, and, and the adversary was complaining because he didn't have anybody to torment or torture or whatnot. And God in his infinite wisdom. And I think this was so cool the way he did it, because he said, have you considered my servant Job? Okay. And, and, and the adversary immediately said, well, yeah, you've got your hand on him. You've given him everything. And, you know, and it's just like, God's like, okay, I'm going to take my hand off of him. You can do whatever you want, but you have to spare his life. And throughout the whole book, we see the, 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 the trials and the tribulations and everything that Job had to go through. And yet Job still kept his faith in God when his friends and even his wife said, curse God and die. But he still kept that, he still kept that faith. And once he proved himself, basically, he was restored. And he never, he, he never left God. He, but, you know, if I were Job, in Job's position, I'd be thinking, like, after about six months of it, I'd be like, God, really? What is going on? And so, yeah, I agree with you. You know, God is trying to get us back to a point where he is our everything. He is, he is our fortress. He is our shield. He is our rock. We, we go to, you know, we go to, we, we go to him instead of we go to the corner dispensary for, you know, a pick me up or something like that. So, 
you know, I mean, we could sit, we could sit here and talk about this all night. Um, and, and we could, yeah, we it's could, been great. <laughs> it's been great. Yeah. you know, I honestly, I honestly, guys, is it, I, is I, it morning I, yet? I'm getting ready to pour my cup of coffee. Actually, we're going to sign off in here and turn it over to Arthur so he can do his uh, midnight motivation. So, so, I mean, I mean, here's the, here's the, you know, I I mean, guys, this has been a great conversation. Um, Even even the heated part, Arthur, I love you, brother. And, you know, sometimes I just... You know, sometimes I just say stuff to mess with you. Yes, um, I know. That's why, <laughs> that's, that's why in the, these types of conversations, I have the ability and self-control to control my mouth. Because <laughs> in, in truly heated conversations in which I am extremely passionate, there is a sailor within me. I'm just well, going to it. <laughs> oh, yeah. You, you can take it. You can take. You can take the sailor out of the navy, but you can't take the navy out of the sailor, right? Yep. Oh, I have it. salt water in my veins. <laughs> Literally. Well, <laughs> well, guys, I like I said, I can, I could I could sit here and I could, I, I could just have you know more of this discussion with you guys. It's, it was, it's been an awesome evening. Great discussion, um, guys. Viewpoints, viewpoints have been great. Um, scriptures that have been brought up tonight. Um, John, thanks for bringing up, you know, Amos chapter four. Uh, I'm gonna have to go dig into that myself because it's been a while since I've been in Amos. So, um, you know, this is this is the this is this is an example of you know brotherhood. Um, this is an example of how passionate we are as five guys in the Bible at, you know, digging deep into the word of God and how that applies to life today. And, uh, you know, I want to, I want to wrap this up, uh, guys, it's been a great evening, great discussion. Thank you. Thank you so much for being with us. And, uh, I'm going to ask, uh, I'm going to ask John, if you don't mind, sir, will you pray us out? Uh, yes, I will. Uh, so, so much around us right now. Um, so many things that are truly testing our faith in you and in, in, in everything around us. Um, with, with what's going on with the world, with the with the health, with the economy, um, with just everything, we're really looking at you now, Lord, for that strength to give us the ability to look upon everyone around us with that love and with that empathy that you require of us to lend out that helping hand where we can to um, lift them up in that prayer, to just be aware of that person that that just needs to hear you know god's got this and jesus loves you and just giving us the wisdom and the discernment to see these opportunities lord um you put in us in places a lot of us are not comfortable with and in discomfort we'll find growth and and my my prayer lord is that my growth is more in you and less in me and that I will end in your 
amazing son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 One last thing to our, to our listeners and our viewers, please tune in tomorrow to our Facebook page. And uh, we're going to continue our, um, our little segments that we all have. Um, I hope it blesses you as, as much as it blesses me. Thanks for joining us. Stay tuned. We'll be live again next week. God bless. God bless. See y'all later.